I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> idea for today holidays I recall was the holidays yeah, yeah like holidays are nigh <laughs> holidays <laughs> are around the corner according to target it's already christmas <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all other i shouldn't just say christmas but it's so like goodness are heavily I mean, um, in, in america like christmas appears to be the only holiday which is very sad um, but of course, we know there are many other holidays that are occurring this well, time of year. And like the, you know, sidestepping the complicated word that is holiday, I think we could just say, you know, anytime you're getting together with family, anytime you're disrupting mm-hmm. your routine, anytime you're mm-hmm. traveling, anytime you're going to a long dinner, like these, these are things mm-hmm. to actually plan for and not just hope change. And, and I think like in the context of ADHD, <laughs> it's like, how do we, how do we holiday with kids? You know, and yes. how do we holiday with ourselves if we, you know, that that's hard in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Ever have to travel mm-hmm. somewhere by yourself and go somewhere? That's not fun. It's very mm-hmm. frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, can we, like, I was picturing, like, let's imagine, like, could, could we maybe tackle it? Because what I'm imagining is, like, what if we, like, um, follow, like, an imaginary person who is, like, heading back to their family and, like, we can kind of, you can kind of offer ideas or we can chip in like around all these moments. Right. So like, okay, like let's say it's like two days out and they know that, you know, they're headed home and that heading home involves, we'll just say travel of some sort, maybe airplane travel to make it more fun. I don't know. Well, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about this with different layers. Okay. Okay. And we'll start with like, the dinner or the, the, you know, the holiday celebration moment um, and work our way back to how you get home and how you get there. Oh, I like that even better. Yeah. Forget it. Let's, let's, let's yeah. Let's okay. Just okay. So whenever you're going out to eat with the family or, you know, fa- family is a tricky word, right? And it, maybe I'll just say this. I think the, the best thing that I can think of that describes family is ritual. People that get together different times. You don't have to be related. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, it's it's Easter. We're all hanging out. Like, oh, it's, you know, it's Thanksgiving. We're all hanging out. Like, whatever thing, whatever people are in your network, whatever in your satellite, that's your family. That's where you're going. Mm-hmm. And kids really need help knowing stories and getting primed mm-hmm. for those events. Talking about who you're going to meet, cool things that they've done. You're going to meet, mm-hmm. like... Aunt Sue and Uncle Jack and like Uncle Jack builds his own cars and and like climbs trees and Aunt Sue once 
once totally totaled her car driving backwards, you know, when she was 19, you know, tell those crazy stories because <laughs> like kids need to hear that. And then they're going to be more engaged with those people at dinner. Aunt Sue, did you really total your car? And it's like, now that gives a connecting moment. For people. <laughs> and, and, and like, we know we have to give it that little novel twist, right? For ADHD. Cause it can't just be like, your Aunt Sue liked school and did her homework. And your Aunt Sue just does very well and enjoys doing taxes. It's like, that's not a story that anyone can unless I, Well, I was laughing. Unless you want your kid, you know, like kids are so beautifully honest of just going like, Aunt Sue, why are you boring? Right, right. <laughs> oh, like, Aunt Sue, I, why have you done nothing with your life? Wait, wait, but I I just realized I walk, I have an Aunt Sue in my life and, and I love my Aunt Sue. So this is like, no, oh my, <laughs> oh my God, gosh, like I'm so sorry. what we're doing right now is the wrong thing. No, but like in this, in this moment, I think <laughs> like so we sorry. do, no, no, no. But we do want to have those kinds of stories and prompt kids or partners with those stories mm. oh sure sure like so if you're bringing your significant other mm-hmm. like home for the first time or you know you're like re-engaging or something after the pandemic separation you know left you maybe not being able to see each other as much like there you go right like it's gonna create a something that's gonna pique curiosity as opposed to mm, like i guess what's the alternative like what if what if these kids are not curious about the people they're meeting or what if the, do you know what I mean? Like, why is this helpful? Or what if we're anxious and don't want to go to the family, but we have to out of obligation. So we don't have lots of cool stories and we're all kind of anxious, you know? Yeah. Or like, or, or, you know, let's, let's, you know, I I definitely want to name that. Like, you know, for so many, like, like, like our relationship with that family, whatever we define as family can be so, loaded and so carries so many different layers and they're you know like in the same room sometimes you might have people you're like oh I can't wait to talk to you as you have people who you're like I hope I wish we didn't even have to be in the Mm -hmm. same room like trauma narratives like the ways families have coped with pain and you know generationally have dealt with trauma like there's just it's it can be so so heavy and so yes i think that anxiety and that dread and even that like anticipatory like like i don't know like the best way i can think about it is is that feeling you get when you like let's say you're like okay so there's a part of this that's like when you're going to go visit and then there's also that part when you're like hosting and it's like that feeling like i'm for some reason what's coming to my head is like when I'm hosting something and I just find myself like thinking of every little detail and like wanting it to go right and you know and like all the ways we kind of cope with when we are sitting in a lot of anxiety. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a well, I mean, when we're hosting that's a whole new bar ball of wax, right? But but before we go there, like with one of those heavier family situations, do you have kids, mm-hmm. you have littles with you? Bring the toolbox. And mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is before you leave, if it's a longer trip or even a short trip, have a backpack. Help mm-hmm. help your child pick toys. And like, mm-hmm. I know you're like, oh, my, my child's 14. No, no, no. Help them pick toys, right? Like, do, like, <laughs> yes. like there really, sensory, like. A, there could be sensory toys. There could mm-hmm. be an iPad. There could be like all yep. kinds of things. Headphones. Yeah. You want to make sure you have your headphones so you can listen to music or do your things. And then talk about when you can use your phone and where to go to use your phone or play games if you don't want to just play at the table. And I think we can get into that interesting power struggle of like sit at the table until all of the adults are finished eating. And like, I want to maybe say adults think about that a little differently, maybe 
because that's a hot, that's a long time for kids or anyone with ADHD to sit and not have to get mm-hmm. not you know get up and do things. And it's almost easier when you're hosting because you're getting up and taking care of people. You're not sitting that whole time. And so yes, I uh, swear that's why. Side note: you just help me figure out why I like hosting. So I love much. hosting. Yeah, it's because I never sit, and it makes me so happy because I just always have something to do. And I got a roll, right? <laughs> yeah, I know what to do with my time. Is everyone's drinkful? Yes. Like, can I just? You yeah. need some more on your plate? What? Like, yes. Yeah, but, I could take that restlessness and translate it into like a, 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 a effective hosting. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I think most people with ADHD fall into that, like, really good host, amazing networker, kind of, like, that can be a big place for a lot of us, because we're so good at, like, helping people connect and make situations maybe kind of nice, because we know what it's like to be in those uncomfortable situations, and we don't want anyone to experience that, right? Yes, yes, we will spare everyone that awkward, or, like, awkwardness that's not, like, like lovingly acknowledged, (laughs) you know, like, wanting to make it as cozy and comfy emotionally I, I think another thing to do though just going back to that you know the you know family dinner is take breaks with your child mm. i'm gonna go for a walk you want to go for a walk with me i just just finished eating on that walk you can just remind them you're doing a great job we're gonna be here for another 45 minutes you can give them all of those concrete boundaries so that they understand what they're in, st- in store for i think a lot of people really struggle when when they're like, when are we done? And someone goes, when we're done. And it's that amorphous time and you don't know how long that's going to go. It's almost easier for someone yeah. to be like, you're going to sleep here and I'll, you'll wake up at home. Like g- mm-hmm. give someone the whole cold hard truth quicker is an important thing. So people can accept the kind of situation that they're in. And yeah, yeah. I kid, hear that. Kids need to know that there's an escape. Like you'll be home <laughs> hour and a half back to the hotel room, hour and a half. You'll be, we'll be once we get to, to Airbnb, like we'll have this, mm-hmm. We'll have this food ready for you because we know you're not going to eat and don't fight. Like, know the battles you're not going to need to get into. It's kind of like what yeah. I push forward. Oh, I hear that. I so hear that. I also think, I mean, it's interesting as you're kind of talking about some of these ideas, like have a toolkit or, um, you know, I think that they're, and, and that it's interesting, like that rule of like, we'll stay at the table until all the adults are done. You know, it is, it is interesting because part of what, is happening I think as a parent for me anyway is like there's an element of hey I'm trying to you know like in so many ways I'm trying to generate like social norms that I certainly I know I was you know exposed to or often frequent and that like I'm trying to help build up some frustration tolerance right like I'm trying to like you know hopefully developmentally appropriately like encourage like okay there's different settings and there's different times different places and all that and what strikes me is how much that type of thing is it's like so interesting how sometimes i think we place such a load on these big events Mm -hmm. that it's like we suddenly think and maybe it's because of you know like performance pressure in a way like you know this might be the time you're in front of grandma or grandpa or whoever you're you know you're maybe aware like gets really ordinary if you don't you know use the right fork I don't know but like it's so interesting because it's like we raise the stakes so much for these moments and it's like we forget that like actually I think sometimes 
that is a setup with kids. It's like the more you raise the expectations and the yes. and you stress that like I need you to obey and behave a certain way, you know, even if you're not like actually saying obey, that is sort of what you're saying, right? You're sort of saying like I need you to do the thing. But and okay, then, <laughs> but I want to die. It's like okay, sorry. You know what, I just want to dive here and like protect some of these parents for a second who are getting into yeah. these battles just for a moment, yeah. like because if you're the parent that's like I need you to stay seated at this table and there's pressure because there's judgment or family rules or other things that like make you feel mm-hmm. observed. I want to like, I want to say that's hard. And yeah. I think it's a really hard thing to have an unreasonable expe- expectation and then, you know, pass that on. And I'd say expectations, right. Lead into resentments. And, mm-hmm. and I think this expectations is a, are resentments waiting to happen. Yeah, Premeditated <laughs> resentments. And I think in this moment, it's like, Helping the table understand child B over here is going to like the task that we have is finishing food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like don't. Yeah. Like we're just excited that like, oh, awesome. You took three bites of the thing. And then oh, parents have to deal go. with, but then the parents have to deal with all the judgment from all the other families that oh, when I was their age, I wouldn't have just been able to get up or how do you just let them get up? Or I feel like you need to start like a firmer hand and like all of the pressure that you're feeling from everyone right now. I just want to be able to like, if I can let my voice like cut through all of that, mm-hmm. have a wonderful moment with your family. Don't fight. Just just let things happen. I know so many of those memories that I have, like around major family events, are in the most unconventional places, like drawing a picture under a table with somebody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like the or like the antics you get up to at the kids' table, and like the moment where I can't tell you how many Thanksgivings I spent with my fellow, like the at the kids' table with my fellow kids who quote unquote at this stage were like in their late teens, early twenties, sometimes, mm-hmm. like literally just talking about like placing bets about how much longer we would be there and just, you know, and like the joke of like, ask mom how much longer. And she's like 20 minutes and it's always going to be okay. Multiply that by seven. And, but yeah, like, like, like the way that you actually can bond over (laughs) the thing that like you would think. Yeah. 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 And I think that there's a flip side here, right? Because it's also about overstimulation and holidays can be really overstimulating for people with ADHD. I mean, like, and so knowing when someone's getting overstimulated and having a plan for that before you get there becomes super important so people don't feel like they're in trouble. Okay. So here, okay. I don't know if now's the time or place, but I kind of want to ask this question because I feel like this is something I am personally struggling with recognizing in myself. I often recognize well after the fact that I am over, have been overstimulated. Like almost like after I yeah. leave the really noisy space or at like, like I went to Costco recently for the first time in a really, really long time. And I normally love Costco, but it was really overstimulating. I didn't even, even identify it as such until three hours later at home, I was sitting going, why was that such a weird feeling? Like, how can I, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like what is actually happening when I am, when I, I say, for anyone <laughs> like when we are overstimulated what's happening and like why and how can we learn to identify it i love it okay I no, no i love i love it because i think we're all going to feel that differently in a little bit some some people the same some people differently but there are things like that will be stimulating whether we want them to or not right like loud noise 
loud noise yes. actually increases your heart rate. I've also heard, and you tell me this, like it increases heart rate and it also, uh, loud noise in general is activating to the amygdala too. Yeah. Like your fear response naturally is going to re-register that as potential danger. Right, right. And so you're living in potential danger land when you hear loud noise. And so we're hearing all the scientific, like, you know, loud sounds, heart, heart rate and danger sense and blah, blah, blah. And then now everyone just think about that moment you left a house party or a concert and you walked out into cold, a cold night air. And you could just feel yourself just like your heart rate slows down. You take that deep yes. breath and then yes. you just start screaming about how awesome that show was that you were just in or whatnot. Right. But like knowing that, knowing, knowing that we're overstimulated is really hard to notice. And I would want to be like, that's like something you want to work on with a therapist or like a really close friend <laughs> or like okay. another person with ADHD mm -hmm. uh, because we can tolerate the heat getting turned up really high. We don't notice it until, you know, it's at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can talk about for me, uh, there are things that I've learned about myself in time. Like I know I'm overstimulated when I'm worried about breaking things or bumping into people. Oh, yes. Yes. It's interesting you say that because I think as soon as you said that, I went, yes, when I start to feel as if what mostly what I'm doing is just like almost like obstacle coursing it like oh oh oops up oh, like that's like, when I know that's I'm all over. I'm doing mm -hmm. yeah that's one oh, of the God, cues for me uh and the other Sorry. thing is sometimes being overstimulated for me is really good and sometimes it's really bad like mm -hmm. and this is where I want to make sure let's not like label overstimulated as like an all bad thing because if you're mm -hmm. at a concert or a sports ball thing, being overstimulated and screaming your head off is totally appropriate and great. We want to know, we want to know like what's appropriate for a moment. There are times when I can look at my partner and like my partner gives me this look like I don't have time for that. And I'm like, okay, I'll button it up. You know what I mean? Like that look doesn't come often, but there are times where like we're in a hurry. And then there are other times where my partner doesn't mind and I run off and buy a piece of cake and show up five minutes later. And I think that like, getting signs and knowing these things like what, Hey child, I noticed mm -hmm. last time right around dessert, like things were feeling pretty awful. Like, did you know what was happening or just, did it just hit you? Mm -hmm. I don't think I felt horrible. I don't think it just hit me. Oh, okay. I noticed you were walking around with your hands balled up. Do you do that when you're mm -hmm. starting to feel a little overwhelmed? I don't do that. Oh, okay. Can I check in on you? Uh, over the weekend, like when we're at Meemaw's house. I don't know why I made it Meemaw, but that just happened. Why is it Meemaw's house? Uh, can I check in if your hands are clenched? Can I check in to see how you're feeling if you want to go for a walk with me? And like, I want to keep using walk as like a really important intervention. It changes the environment. There's a lot of visual stimulation. Smells change. The world opens up. You're not worried about bumping into things, right? I mean, it's yeah, uh, like your auditory landscape. I mean, essentially, what you're saying is get get out of dodge for a moment. Like get outside, get out of dodge, get out of dodge, or have a place in dodge. Like go to the basement and put on that weighted blanket and know that you'll set that timer for 15 minutes and watch a couple TikToks mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, like have a plan for that moment. Yes. Don't. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just hurt yeah, yourself. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. Do it. <laughs> yeah. No. What I was thinking is okay. So, uh, Bobby's family. I'm trying to think. I, I, I'll. You know. I'll. I'll not disclose their names, but they're incredible, and you know who you are. Uh, but he has an aunt and an uncle who are just an, amazing, and they have like 
uh, literally like a 12 hour drop in the whole village, the whole town comes kind of Christmas party every year. And we haven't, I, or I haven't been in a couple of years, uh, but the years that I went, it was, you know, because we're family, like we got to have like one of the bedrooms or like a room to stay because we were going to be spending the night because we were from out of town. And it would be this very, very palpable, I mean, on and off, just like you're talking, you're having small conversations, big conversations, like lots of people. And then sometimes there'd be a lull, like somebody's watching the game. Someone's like, you know, over here playing outside. Like there'd be all these pockets of peace and quiet and respite that I think people, like if you ever watch a party, like people naturally find, like I always thought of, you know, not to say, I do side note, I recently was like learning about how a lot of folks with ADHD, like, or not a lot of folks, I shouldn't, I should rephrase. Um, one of the things that folks with ADHD can be drawn to is nicotine because it's also a stimulant, right? So like smoke breaks people, like that idea of having like a habitual ritual where, you know, the, the fact that people don't just become addicted to the substance, but also to going outside and taking a breather. Mm-hmm. And having an excuse to do so that somehow is still like intimate, you know, with maybe a few other, but it's like, like having a built in change of pace. Like what I'm picturing is like what it would mean, not just for you to ask your kid that, but like your, I love what you're saying, like do it with your kid or maybe you like, what I'm also thinking is instead of putting it on the kid, like, oh, you must be overstimulated. So let's get you on a walk, which I think it helps. Like I hear what you're saying. Like it teaches them to be aware of that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are kind of doing a lot of the noticing for, for kids, especially younger children. But what I'm hearing is actually like what it would mean for, for a kid to hear you say, I'm getting overstimulated. I can tell because you know what, my jaw gets really tight. I feel you know, tense in my stomach. And I just, I feel like I'm going to bump into things a lot. So I'm just going to go clear my head. Want to come with? <laughs> like, you know, or does that make sense? Yes. I don't know. No, that's exactly. I think there's so much about what you just said. That's, that's the body of what I'm pushing for, because we want to make calm down, not a swear word. It sounds like F you, <laughs> right? It like it always does. Right? Like, hey, you want to calm down? It's like, oh, you want me to calm down? Like, now I want to throw something. Like, it's the opposite, right? And I think that's because we're often not talking about grounding ourselves or calming down. We're telling other people to do it. And I think that when so we can model that for ourselves or do it with kids or your partner, like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, I'm a little... I'm a little too hot right now. Let me take a five, 10 minute break. I will be right back. Let's finish this conversation. Like you're allowed to do that. Uh, And I think the more premeditated that is with people, meaning the more often you can say, Hey, listen, every once in a while, if I get really overwhelmed, I'm going to need to take a weird five minute break outside. I'll be back. It'll be fine. You might never even Mm -hmm. see this happen, but then that one time it actually happens. So I was like, Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. You told me you did this thing. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't get blown up into a big deal where it's like, <gasps> where did David go? Is yeah. he okay? Is and and he this is something? where, yeah, and I want to throw something out from like the world of therapy that changed my life uh, when I learned it. Boundaries are not personal, even though they almost always feel that way. Yeah, I hear that. And, and the best, and like that's one of those like like little lines where it's like, blah, blah, blah. like what does that really mean? It's like, I'll tell you what that means. We all have that feeling, right? Like, I have a, I'm a therapist and I have a briefcase and it has some confidential information in it. And 
it's when, when I was meeting people in the before times and they were in my office, I'd say like, okay, I'd give them that boundary spiel and I'd point to my briefcase and I'd be like, if I walked into my office and saw you going through my briefcase, I would freak out. I would be like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you would, you'd, I'd start yelling. I might run towards them. I might try to rip the briefcase away from their hands. It's not because of who they are. It's because of my briefcase. I would yell if anyone was going in that, like even my partner, like my partner has never gone through my briefcase ever, like knows I would have like a reaction. And even when they're looking in the safe part, like I don't breathe, right? Mm. It's a boundary. It's not personal to the person. It's personal to my level of comfort, my anxiety around confidentiality for people and how much I think that's sacred and just don't mess around with it, right? And so like Mm -hmm. that's a boundary that feels personal if anyone crosses it. Yes. Oh, I so hear that. So we need these boundaries for our family. <laughs> like you need to be able to take that break. We had a boundary. I can't have this conversation again. This is what I thought. I will come back. Or instead of this conversation, can we talk about which place has the best tacos around here? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, okay, this is so cool. I love side note what you just said. The thing I want to add, like an addendum to that I feel like was also game changing around boundaries for me, which also came, comes from the world of therapy is, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's that idea of like, we think it's the same way we, we take it, like we take boundaries personally, right? Like we also think boundaries are about what we're asking the other person to do right? or what we're asking someone else to respect when actually, uh-huh, pause for effect, everybody. The boundary is what you're going to do. Boom! (laughs) Right? Like, so example is, I don't know, like, for example, someone is sharing a story and it's like the 10th time. And it's like, like, for example, um, as a therapist, some people will sometimes really disclose a lot of intense, heavy things to me at otherwise, you know, so like, not at work, very, like when you're buying a car yeah. or something. Oh, not a client. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, right. Well, oh yeah, sure. Or like what I'm saying, like at a family function, like a family friend who I'd never see is going to find out I'm a therapist and come up to me and ask me, you know, advice about like what, you know, his neighbor's brother who has bipolar disorder <laughs> needs to do. This is a totally random example. Right. But right. like, like it's going to be like what do we you know like i get kind of like assumed that i'm going to like talk shop in a in a strange way and the thing is is like you know i'm not i'm all about like sharing information but what like how to put it you would think a boundary is like hey i i you know like i'm i'm going to ask you like not to you know, bring that up. Like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of here with my family. I'm not about that. Like whatever. But actually the boundary is the moment I change the subject. Mm -hmm. It's the moment I walk away. Yes. It's the moment I, it's not just the thought of, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm telling you about it. I'm using all my words. It's actually the moment where I actually set the boundary for myself. Does that make sense? I'm like I nodding so hard and no one can see okay. me nod. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because it's not about getting that person to stop talking about it. It's about you making yourself feel better. Like either by changing the subject, walking away, giving them something to chew on, literally like eat the sandwich because I can't talk well, anymore. And I'm going and I'm going to create a little caveat for the feel better because as an inveterate people pleaser, yeah. boundary setting usually makes me feel worse. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the bizarro truth that actually I my discomfort shoots up 
yes. when I'm setting a boundary. So I, I I know that's not what you meant. I'm just like clarifying. Like no, it's so much better. I don't better actually said. feel better when I'm setting a boundary. It's what it is is it's a short term, huge burst of discomfort that I'm trading for a long haul self betrayal or sense of wearing myself down or, or all the consequences that come from not honoring that it, boundary. It, but it's, it's not fun. I'm not going to lie. And the thing, the other thing I remember my therapist telling me is like, the thing people think is you set a boundary once and that's it. It's like, actually, no, you tend to have to do it all the time. And it actually rarely gets easier. You just get more well-versed at like when and how you can do it, but it doesn't necessarily ever feel better if that's not how you're, does that make sense? I'm nodding. Like, to me, you're just, there. you're describing putting on sunscreen because it's so gross and I hate the way it feels. But, like, oh, my God, is it way better to do that than have the burns all over my body and, like, feel that pain for, like, two weeks. But it's, like, gross. Like, I don't want greasy stuff all over my body. But, but like, mm-hmm. I'll do it. I'll do it now because, like, you know, you, you get a couple good burns. <laughs> You get a couple good, sure, sure. You get a couple good birds where you like roll over on your back and you're like, ah, I can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. So cool. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, you know, I'm throwing out there. You don't always have to announce you're setting a boundary because again, it's not about them. It's about you. Oh yeah. The boundary could just be like, I have literally stopped listening. (laughs) The boundary could also be like, I am, you know, and then there's like emotionally mature and you know, all that good stuff, but. No, there, this is where we can lean into the strengths of ADHD for a moment. And, like, ADHD can look like people with lots of resilience, which is why we're often, like, thrown around sometimes with not a lot of regard. Like, oh, you can take this, right? Like, you're you're totally allowed to stop paying attention to a conversation that's going to frustrate you. Like, you're totally allowed, like, yes. engage ADHD distraction mode. And, like, all of a sudden, like, do you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, no, but I was thinking about the DeLorean from back to the future <laughs> and if those doors open up like do you have to get a special garage or like would it would it like you can go there like and if they're like why aren't you listening you can say things like i don't like that conversation or or move on <laughs> or like this is where we we all collectively have power around inattention mm-hmm. and Absolutely. like moths to a flame we're drawn towards conflict so we might pay more attention to somebody when they're annoying us or saying something because it's like oh i'm gonna destroy you like I'm going <laughs> to, right. And really. Or like preparing to debate, like preparing yes. to like, oh, like I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to hand this to you. <laughs> so I have, I have a, like, so for me, like this works for songs. Like if I got a song in my head and I can't get it out, you know, those like earworms or whatever, like, like where you just like, you hear something on TikTok or whatever and you can't get the, or the radio or that doesn't exist anymore, but whatever. Right. And, uh. <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. Actually, radio does exist. I listen to it. Go independent radio. Hooray. It (laughs) does exist. Thank you, NPR. Uh, But but I'll sing George of the Jungle to myself. Get rid of it. (gasps) Oh, that's clever. I I have a, uh, I have like, like, it's funny because there is, you know how like, this is total tangent I'm going for it. You know, like when, have you ever... Like, have you ever noticed that there's like certain songs you always hum or certain things that you like, it's like your default mode, like go to song, but like you have no choice in the matter. It's like the Muzak track in the elevator of your brain. And can I share that mine since childhood has been the song, Take a Letter Maria. 
And the thing about that song is, do you know the song? Take a letter, Maria. Da, 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 da. Address it to my wife. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Tell her I'll be coming home. I'm going to start a new life. That's right. It's a, it's a dude telling his, I mean, talk about problematic. A dude telling his, his executive assistant secretary, Maria, in the story, that he wants, I'm assuming it's a he, wants her to take a letter. So to write the letter to his wife that he's leaving her because <laughs> he's going to start a new life. <laughs> okay. Everyone just pause and look up the song. <laughs> My face is like contorted a little. I'm just like. I, so it's like when you it's like when you find out that like, uh, do you like pina coladas? Right. And you find out that actually in the song, the dude's cheating on his wife. He's placing a personal ad to try to cheat on her. And then she ends up being his his affair rendezvous. So it turns out they were both going to cheat on each other, but they're pleasantly surprised to learn that they both like pedia coladas and getting caught in the ring. You just popped like a Thanksgiving day, like <laughs> Spider-Man balloon for me. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm you just, this, that's, that's so gross. Now it was not that it was an endearing, you know like, what I just get, you know, gave you though i gave you fodder for when someone is goading you or you're about to take the bait and instead you can drop one of these fun facts did you know get yourself out of the oh conversation Atlanta. all right no these are good ones and, and anyone else listening take these but i think like the whole point here is like the boundary engagement is the moment you start singing george's jungle or maria to yourself it's what you do internally to not tolerate that stuff, that noise around you. And, and <laughs> I can't get over little you singing that song around shocked adults. Like, <laughs> like I still, that's the thing is that's a song that you hear a lot that like you would not think has that content. Oh. Oh. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>